listening to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. I am Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. Grace, it feels like months <laughs> since we've done a show together. I actually was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been like a, I think it's actually been a couple weeks, so it's kind of a bummer. Um, but yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm doing uh, very well, getting ready for my trip up to New York. You and I have a couple shows planned to see together. Um, yeah. But um, before one or two of the shows that I'm going to be seeing, I actually had a special episode that dropped on Monday where I spoke with the stage manager for both Dana H. And is this a room, Lisa Ayacucci? Um, she's done a ton of shows on Broadway as a stage manager, including like Head Over Heels and Burn This and Hedwig and the Angry Inch and all these other things. Mm -hmm. So it was a phenomenal conversation with her to kind of get the insights of like what it's like to do these two shows in rep because normally when you do shows in rep it's the same creative team and it's the same cast not these no. <laughs> and so it's been very it was very interesting conversation with her and to hear her talk about Deirdre O'Connell and like what mm. it's like to watch that is super super interesting so check that out in both the patreon feed and the regular feed i really really enjoyed that conversation and folks i've just been doing interviews non-stop there will be a lot more between now and like this time next week, I did one yeah. today that was one of my favorite interviews in a long, long time. And I think he's someone that's near and dear to your heart too, Grace. The the great and the good Tom Sesma. Um, oh my God, what? I interviewed Tom Sesma on my, on Tuesday. He's um, he is a this light. This is a genuine reaction, folks. This is not me. Like, yeah, you did she not didn't tee know. this up. It's not like you texted me and was like, hey, act excited. I'm legitimately like excited about this interview. He's amazing. Like, and we're talking about a Sherlock Carol, which you think, oh, that's yeah. a fun off Broadway show. Like, the way he described it makes me so excited to see this show. Like, it makes me. I, I love Sherlock Holmes. I love a Christmas Carol, but mm -hmm. like, it makes me genuinely giddy to be able to see him in this show here in a couple weeks. So that'll be coming up uh, next week and a bunch of other stuff in the meantime. So definitely head over to patreon.com slash Broadway radio if you want to sign up and hear everything before it is released in the regular feed. Well, Matt, I'm going to pack it up and go home. That was great. <laughs> I love all that. <laughs> what great. are we doing? I don't um, know. But we, we do have some news to, to bring everyone that's listening to today on Broadway. Oh, Here we are. But we should oh, say, no. we should say Damn at it. the end of this episode, you have an interview as well. So I want to make sure people know about that so they don't think the end of the news is the end of the show. It's not the end of the news, you guys, because I have a very special interview that I will talk about at the end of the show. Or should I talk about it right now? Should I say it? Uh, you just tease who it is. Yeah, so they screw know. it. Okay, so it's Marisha Wallace. And famously, like, Marisha is just one of those people that, like, if you don't already stalk her on social media, like, you should be because I think she's just a, a, a such a bundle of joy. And it was a really great experience to get to talk to her again yeah. um, on, on the pod. So make sure that you stay tuned at the end of the episode so that you can hear our conversation about her upcoming U.S. tour. So there you go. In uh, some waitress news that we didn't see coming and famously like no. matt and i love to talk about waitress news uh, but we didn't know about this and this was such a pleasant surprise because today it was announced that sierra renee will take over the role of jenna and waitress on monday november 29th taking over for jennifer nettles who leaves on the 24th uh, that's a wednesday so i guess um in the meantime it's probably going to be stephanie torrens don't you think yeah i i actually 
think they might have updated it to the 25th, but you're right. The original press release said yeah. the 29th, uh, but I feel like I might have seen on the Twitter machine that they changed it to the mm. 25th because I think the 25th is Thanksgiving. So yeah, that's why Jennifer Nettles is leaving uh, before that. Yeah. So uh, again, like the last time that we saw Sierra on Broadway, she was, you know, had an incredibly too short of a run as Elsa in uh, the Broadway production of uh, Frozen. And during shutdown, the show closed. So we were yeah. like, when are we getting her back on Broadway? Um, you know, since the run is only through January 9th of next year. Does that mean that she's the closing Jenna? Like, it, there's no way that somebody else is coming in. No, I think that's another thing that I saw on Twitter, too, is that she is the closing Jenna, which okay. I think is great because, like, honestly, if they would have come back and gone Sarah Bareilles, Jennifer Nettles, and then even Jesse Mueller or Sarah back and not had a woman of color in that role, um, that would have been super disappointing. I mean, they've had two women of color both nicolette robinson and jordan sparks are those the only two women of color that have done it on broadway Mm -hmm. i think that would have been a really disappointing decision if they hadn't brought a woman of color in um Mm -hmm. so i'm glad that she is i am famously a huge sierra renee fan dating back to her time on the tv show the flash and dc's legends of tomorrow where she played yeah, we watch so much TV, Matt. I haven't, it's I haven't, so great. I haven't watched. I don't. I really don't watch that much TV anymore. But back in the day, I used to watch all of those CW superhero shows mm-hmm. because I I am a dork, and she famously played um, Kiara, also known as Hawk Girl. So mm. yeah. So there you go. Love Very her. cool. Love her. We we love her. Also, like, when are we getting an album of the Wrong Man? I don't know. I guess we're not. Is the point? Yeah. Because her and Josh Henry at MCC broke my heart in half and yeah. I really like their voice. I think it's just because I like their voices, whatever. Oh, Anyways, they're both um, amazing. Yeah. So yesterday, Anna DeVere Smith's Twilight Los Angeles 1992 opened at the Signature Theater to some like stunning and also like questionable reviews. Like it, it's, mm. I hate the war- when people say like mixed reviews because I think that always just means that it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't mean to say that it was mixed, because, but it actually was mixed reviews. So um, this is, you know, her solo show that's now been turned into a play where multiple people take on the roles. Like she's kind of rewritten it. Uh, But Jesse Green of the Times says that, you know, I found myself wondering why she and the director whose staging is caught between the simplicity of the original premise and an unachieved larger one chose this form of experiment, Um, which kind of seemed to be a through line with most of the uh, reviews saying that like, you know what, I don't, I don't think it works like this. Um, so Helen Shaw for Vulture said for Twilight, she wrote an, up, an updated script, some of which explicitly uh, connects the L.A. crisis to the current one. Um, and the director chose five actors to fill Smith's, you know, each each role, um, one pair of shoes. Adam Feldman for Time Out New York said, although Twilight Los Angeles 1992 remains a showy vehicle for all of these versatile actors, they mostly stay in their own cultural lanes. And then Naveen Kumar of New York Theater Guide says its contents, of course, remain powerfully resonant, though the production was scheduled for early 2020. The Twilight now includes at least one interview from the from this year, drawing a direct line from the shaky home video of the Rodney King assault to the cell phone recording of George Floyd's murder. If learning from the past is possible, Twilight Los Angeles 1992 does essential uh, even life-saving work. There will always be power in its truth, however it is spoken. So I think that like overall people do like this piece and they like Anna DeVere Smith's work. I just don't think they enjoyed this kind of like adaptation of it. 
I'm going to venture into a very cynical guess um, as to why they might have done this. First off, I adore Anna DeVere Smith, um, of course, even dating back to her time on the West Wing. There's my TV Mm. connections again. But Nurse Jackie. Yeah. And and Nurse Jackie. Yes. Um, I would say that she probably doesn't want to do this show again by herself like she has. She's 71. Uh, I don't think she wants to do this. Is she really? Yeah. Oh my God, I never would have guessed. But I would imagine that getting this show produced regionally, it would be much easier with five people than it is for one person. So that would be, if I had to guess as to why mm-hmm. you would do that, because oh yeah, I, I think when they originally announced this show for early 2022, it was just supposed to be one person. It was supposed to be a black man doing all of it. Mm. And, and I don't remember exactly, um, but I think the change to five people happened over the past year and a half. So yeah. I don't know that. I mean, that could be the, that's the only really reason that I can think of without getting into uh, Anna's mind as to why, like what artistic <laughs> reason she would want to change. But like, that's the the most obvious reason to me is because it's easier to do when it's got a five person cast than a one person cast. Well, there is, yeah, there was another critic that did mention the fact that like, you know, she wants her work to live on past her. And totally. so this is probably another uh, way that that can happen. Yeah. So yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor for this week today, Tix. I've gotten to see so many shows. Like I was refreshing my app and I went, oh my gosh, this is dating back to, I think the very first show that I ever saw through Today Ticks was Love Letters with uh, Carol Burnett. Oh yeah. And which was like, I think like six, seven years ago. (laughs) So that's how long this app has been making me happy. I've seen great shows theater, comedy, improv, some of the best that I've ever seen with really, really great prices. Yeah, getting tickets is easier than ever. With the Today Ticks app, you can check it out in 30 seconds and pick up your tickets with ease. I am looking at my Today Ticks app right now, and I have currently, as I'm still putting the schedule together, I have two sets of tickets for my upcoming trip through Today Ticks already, and I have tickets for something in February through Today Ticks as well. So you can either book things like super spontaneously the day of, or you can do what I did with Black No More and buy tickets months of it in advance. Like that's what I'm seeing in February. And what's great is that Today Ticks gives you access to exclusive presales, limited time offers, these digital lotteries. I will be signing up for some digital lotteries as well while I'm in New York. And and you also get day of discounted tickets there too. It really is a theater goer's best friend. So Today Ticks isn't just for Broadway and London's West End. You can find tickets in cities across the country and around the world. Like I I didn't even realize they had expanded so much. Like they're now in Chicago, LA, DC, San Francisco, Sydney, so many more. See that show that you've always wanted to see or discover something new that you'll love just as much with Today Ticks. Go to todaytix.com slash Broadway Radio and use promo code Broadway Radio to get $10 off your first Today Ticks purchase. Again, it's multiple steps here. That's promo code Broadway Radio at todaytix.com slash Broadway Radio for $10 off your first ticket purchase. That's T-O-D-A-Y-T-I-X dot com slash Broadway Radio. So Matt sent me numbers for Broadway grosses, which I'm going to let him discern because I I don't know if I've ever disclosed this to our listeners. I love you all, Broadway Radio. I am not good at numbers. I did not pass algebra. Um, I okay. am very, very bad at that. And I just want to be transparent because all of us need to be heard. Um, I'm going to read some numbers to you. And then Matt's going to tell me if they're good or bad. So for the week ending 
<laughs> with October 31st, a total of 27 shows played at 77.52% capacity. And since Broadway reopened, shows have played at 84% capacity, kind of total. So, uh, Matt, is that bad? Well, I mean, obviously you want the higher capacity as much as possible, but yeah, I... Yeah, that seems you get that even without passing I, algebra. I really, I, I tried to really hone in on the fact that like that was not a lot of, that's not a big enough number. Right. But I think what people often forget is when the fact that Halloween fell on a weekend, that yeah. every time that happens, that drops Broadway grosses. So obviously because of everything else that's going on in terms of the pandemic and tourism not being as high, it dropped it worse than it normally does. But if you go back historically to other years and look at the grosses when Halloween was on a Friday, a Saturday or a Sunday – this happens as well. And it happens with all of the more social holidays, Super Bowls, um, you know, happening uh, on Sundays that always hurts shows on that weekend going in. Anything like that generally will hurt the capacity. So I'm not super worried about that. And leading into the holidays, I think it'll go up. The total grosses mm -hmm. from this past week was $19,663,438, which is not a lot like that's what six or seven shows probably would have grossed pre-pandemic but it's a process like producers knew going into this that they were going to have to eat some bad weeks to get things going it's a loss leader by trying to just get back up on stage get people into theaters get people feeling safe in theaters and then you can you know build from there you have to have this beginning period where things are rough to get back to the good time so not ideal of course but also not horrible. And what's great is by next week, there will have been over 1 million total guests in, uh, back to Broadway since it reopened. And that's a pretty big milestone. So I think that's a, it's, it's moving in the right direction. This, this step backwards, notwithstanding. Fair enough. The Old Globe announced their 2022 season, including uh, Trouble in Mind, which opens. Uh, so I'm just saying, if you're in San Diego next year and you didn't get to see it around about in New York right now, mm -hmm. this is your chance to see this incredible play at the Old Globe. Uh, the rest of the season uh, features Broadway-bound musical Bob Fosse's Dancing, the pre-Broadway run of Come Fall in Love, and a presentation of Freestyle Love Supreme directed by Tommy Kale. So I was like, are they just like doing music improv because that's fine you don't have to call it that no it's literally it's brought to you by tommy kale and the whole team the world uh, premiere also for dial in for murder what we talk about when we talk about Anne frank and the solo play mala by melinda lopez which will be presented in both english and spanish on wow. selected dates yeah, I was really excited about about that. Finally, the Geffen Playhouse will produce Edward Albee's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in April of next year, featuring Callista Flockhart and Zachary Quinto. Okay. That's a weird pairing for George and Martha. Um, yeah. Isn't it? Wasn't it famously like Elizabeth Taylor had to wear tons of disgusting makeup just to make her look older, like for, for this role? Could and be. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that was in like the Mike Nichols documentary. If I'm not crazy, yeah. didn't he direct that? Yes, he did. Um, but yeah, so anyways, um, it, that was that was the whole thing was that like she was far too young to be playing this role, and you needed somebody you know like older that I don't know could could physically like just like more look well, a yeah. little bit more deteriorated. And I, I'm like, how old is Clarissa Flockhart? Like, I don't know, well, but who cares? She's well, an actress. She, she's amazing. <laughs> she she is probably actually not a terrible age for it. She's 56, but Zachary Kento is. 44. Mm. He's super young. And of course, I mean, the whole point is that they're supposed to have, you know, children and, and this stuff like, not that 
you can't be 44 and have an adult child. But it's it's just sure. interesting that there is a, an, an age gap between them. But also, even Callista, I mean, even though she's probably in a little bit more of the age range, she's still on the young side, maybe even to play Martha. Um, but it's an interesting yeah. pairing. And I think that's super cool um, to see two incredibly dynamic actors do this. And uh, I think it's very much a departure from what we know Callista Flockhart from. Um, by the way, it's she was also... Her, though. Yeah, by the way, she was also uh, played Cat Grant on the first season and in a couple guest appearances of the Supergirl TV show opposite Melissa Benoist. So bringing it full circle to the <laughs> Berlantiverse. Oh, very funny. Well, now that you're saying that she's 56, I actually appreciate that she is in a role of a woman that should be playing that role. And also, like, every yeah. time there's a an age dynamic of, like, a woman that is older and a man that is younger, I'm like, yeah, do that. Because it's always, always. an older dude and a young girl. Yeah. So, so, you know what? Let me let me take back what I said. I stand. Today, I got to chat with Marisha Wallace, like we talked about earlier in the show. And, you know, between seeing her in, like, Aladdin Broadway, Aladdin the movie, a lab, which we'll talk about. Um, but we, you know, she's launching her U.S. tour, and she'll be at the Green Room 42, November 7th. Uh, you don't want to miss it. And I really hope that you stay uh, for our little chat. And here it is. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Just thinking about. Good day, Marisha. Tomorrow. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm so excited to be on the show. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. We've we've actually we've talked about you quite a bit over the pandemic. I don't know if you knew this, but um, I'm personally a really big fan of the fact that you are so incredibly great on TikTok, which I want to talk about yeah. <laughs> because you are one of the few performers that I was like, oh, she's like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, know like, give, give, give the people what they want. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But also like you just do it in such an like an earnest, fun way. And and you do such a great job of like taking us behind the scenes. Like, you know, you right. were just in the UK playing Motormouth Maybell and you're like, this is what it was like to go back. And, um, you know, w we didn't get to see that in the US for quite a while for, you know, Broadway and, uh, you know, our shows weren't opening up as quickly, but um, it was so exciting to watch it happen, especially through your eyes. So, mm -hmm. um, Thank you for that. But um, and again, like we don't need to run through your resume, but you are so iconic. And I have to tell you, like one of my favorite like in theater memories is being at like the Aladdin premiere for the movie. And when you popped up, still, oh. I think he's rather like I was sitting in a group of like Aladdin Broadway people and the scream and like everyone <laughs> just jumping up <laughs> after you're saying that like it's just so exciting so um thank you again for for gracing us with all of your amazing character comedic moments that you know what now we get to hear this like amazing soulful voice to you which is great um you were in the uk playing motormouth maybell herself and hairspray i'm curious like you know we've talked about reopening broadway with broadway radio uh, and with tons of, you know, performers and creatives and being back in the room, you were the first one to go back into shows like after lockdown. I want to hear all about how that rehearsal was, how you felt, how how your mind was like, walk me through that whole process. Well, it was kind of crazy because we were like the guinea pigs, like no yeah. one really knew what coming back to doing a musical 
would be like after that time, especially because singing is like the way that everybody kind of spreads it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's actually kind of crazy. So um, it was it was strange because also the UK did their vaccinations by age. So people in a certain age group weren't even eligible because, you know, it's hairspray mm. really young. Some people were only eligible for their first one or weren't even eligible at all because some people were like 18 years old in the cast, which is crazy. So um, we had people who were some vaccinated, some won, some won none. So it was kind of like, what's going to happen now? You know, because mm-hmm. we couldn't really do the vaccination mandate like uh, Broadway's done because that's just not how it was for us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we just kind of went in it being like, okay, this is, you know, we're going to see what happens. Um, So we went in and uh, Jerry Mitchell was there and Jack O'Brien was supposed to come and help set the show, but because he's so old and like, it's scary for him to come, you know, uh, to travel. So he didn't get to come, but he brought uh, Ben Klein, who was amazing. And um, so, but Jerry Mitchell did get to come. And when we first got together, it was crazy. So like, we couldn't be, we couldn't hug or touch or kiss or do anything when we were not on stage. But then when we're on stage, you can do whatever, which was so crazy because it's like, so funny. my mind messed up because it's like, they were like, be apart when you're not on stage and then be together when you're on stage. So it was kind of like a crazy, a crazy thing because, you know, the camaraderie of a musical is the best part, like being able to go out and hang out with each other and stuff. So that kind of made it a bit difficult and it was just something we had to get used to. But once we got used to the COVID protocols and all that, it actually was a really great time. Um, It was, it felt very historical what we were doing at the time. And then also it was a a musical about race and about integration, which we just went through a whole Black Lives Matter movement, still going through it as we speak, but that it all came to a head during that time was, you know, it was, crazy to be singing I know where I've been now and it just had a whole new meaning I remember the first time I sang it in rehearsal everyone was in tears and crying and just like a mess like it was just like it was awful it was great and also awful because we hadn't really gotten that out so so many people were like it just opened a whole wound you know Oh, it was great because we got to heal together. It was uh it was amazing because we were we went through Black Lives Matter separate in our own homes Mm. you know, some people marched, some people donated something, but we've never been in the same room thinking about it at the same time. And yeah. so that was incredible. And then when we did it in front of the audience for the first time, I remember when I first started singing the first verses, you could hear a pin drop, like the whole audience was like on the edge of their seat. <laughs> like some people were crying. Some people were just in silence. People were in shock. Some people were like, it was crazy. So then when the song comes to an end and we're all at the fever pitch, they just all jumped to their feet and they were like applauding and crying and everyone in the line was crying and it just felt so important. It felt like I was put on this earth to do that for that time. That <laughs> you were, was, you were that vehicle. Yeah. That moment. And then the joy of hairspray as well. Like when we mm-hmm. dance, you can't stop the beat. Like everyone was screaming and dancing for the first time. Some people hadn't even been with their families in the same room for like two years. And Jeez. so like, the Broadway show is their first, you know, like a musical is the first thing to come back. So it was crazy. I can't imagine, like, I'm sure like people in the audience being like, Hairspray is is about something that happened so long ago. Mm -hmm. And then they're probably sitting back in the audience being like, it's 
we have so much more work to do. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate that, you know, you, you got to share in this moment with everybody just being like, okay, we can't touch each other, but I can sing at your face and it's going to yeah, make yeah. you cry. <laughs> I know you can touch people with your performance. And that was what was really beautiful. And, you know, when we were holding hands and just, and I looking at Tracy, I'm looking at Lincoln, I'm looking at the Motormouth kids and I'm like, wow, how did we even get here? And it's just beautiful. What what theater and art can do like it's so transcendent yeah yeah and that's the thing is like I think we've learned a lot about like accessibility too like even when people aren't in the theater they can still like get performances at home because not everybody can like make it and and now we've learned more about like okay some people are like autoimmune compromised they still can't go out you know how how are we reaching them so that's why it's like great that you have this social media presence you have your albums that you've put out you're like no no no, i can get to you you don't have to come to me i can get to you yeah you can have a broadway show in your living room (laughs) i mean hey I, I would like to see it. Uh, <laughs> you, you're just one of these people that like, you don't gatekeep your, um, talents. Like, like I feel a lot of other performers are like, I'm not going to show you how to do this queer, like this amazing, like vocal trick, but you're out here being like, here's the, <laughs> like, yeah. it's amazing. what made you start doing all these, like, especially like singing tutorials for, for people. Well, I've always, I, I I went to school to be a music teacher and acting teacher, and I always love, I've always loved teaching. And I just know there's so many uh, kids out there, not even just kids, but people, period, who don't have access to vocal training. And they go out there, they blow their voices out. And we have all this wealth <laughs> of knowledge as performers, because, you know, I've been doing this for like 17 years. Mm-hmm. Like, I have all this wealth of knowledge. I was like, well, why don't I do like five, you know, like 30 second, um, voice lessons and then it kind of took it started with 15 seconds actually and then it kind of just took off and people loved it and there's been people from around the world like all over Asia which I think is so incredible Mm -hmm. people love to sing which I think is so incredible um and they're like I kind of blew up in the TikTok world on that side and then the Broadway side as well but I just loved um being able to access so many different people and in India as well. So I've started putting my TikToks on Instagram because uh, mm-hmm. India can't do TikTok. And they were like, thank you. Thank you so much because all of your tips and tricks, like we can see them. So now yeah. I have a fan base in India as well, but you just reach <laughs> so many people um, through just giving. And I think we, we need to show people how to do this. And everyone's like diversity, diversity, diversity. <laughs> But like, what are you doing to reach those communities where they don't have uh, Juilliard, where they don't have, you know, access and money? Because it costs a lot of money to be in the arts. People don't really realize yeah. that. That's oh, why no. you don't see so many people of color and of different uh, genders in it, because it costs so much money. And yeah. um, I was like, so it was nice to just give that information back. And people are like, my voice is improving. Like I've, uh, there's oh. so many people who are like, uh, I'm, I'm in a choir now. I, I started to sing again. I'm not afraid to sing. And that's what I love because there's so much mm-hmm. negativity around singing sometimes where people are like, I don't have a great voice or I don't do this. And I was like, just sing because you like it. Not just because you're trying to be judged by everyone else. Just sing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't judge yourself before others have time. Yeah. To do I was like, just, just sing. It's singing. It's not, we're not building a rocket ship here. It's like, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. everyone has that instrument for a reason. Everyone has the ability to sing for a reason. So yeah. use it. 
I I love that. I really appreciate it. And it kind of leads me into this like next bit because this article came out like what last week from Teen Vogue. You know, we don't Uh talk about body positivity and inclusion in theater. I was going to say a lot, but now I'm thinking um, we never talk about it, actually. (laughs) So, you know, the article cites like you and, and one of my other favorites, Josh Lehman, which, by the way, I have to ask, like, am I remembering this? like a fever dream were you in the first like lab of the prom that i yes, saw with josh layman oh my god that's what i thought <laughs> i was like wasn't this ann harada you like running around yeah, Beth, we were running around like crazy i was like oh one god. of the parents and michael james yes <laughs> that's right oh my god that's right because i was like this is the casey nicola crazy bunch like yeah, this is crazy. my dream he handed me like this can do you remember this like this was like when they threw all the cans at seber when he did that like one number hey. Yes, yes. I was like, I'm not throwing a can at this man. (laughs) You're like, I'm not throwing a can at this legend. (laughs) I was like, I'm not equity. I can't do that. Um, (laughs) But but the article is so great about, you know, like starting the conversation on how to change the conversation when it comes to bodies on stage. Like, what what do you want for the future of body inclusivity on stage? Because I know that Casey Nicola cannot be the only director moving this needle for us. (laughs) Right. I, I just feel like so many people have like either left the industry or given up because they know that they, they won't, they don't see themselves. They, Mm -hmm. they know that, Oh, I will never be a leading lady because of my size. And I think that's so sad because I'm like, how much talent are we missing out on? How many amazing talents are we missing out on because we're limiting ourselves and we're talking about inclusivity of race gender all that size is definitely one that is not talked about because they have this whole like broadway body complex which i feel like health does not equate to weight like there were times where i was doing broadway and i was over 200 pounds and i was dancing tap dancing singing i could i was the most fit i've ever been in my life yeah so it's like that doesn't equal out and also why don't we see more people who look like the public that we're representing on stage like why doesn't it not reflect they're not all we're not all size zero and we're like there we need to have body diversity we want to see all types body types on stage do you know what I mean like yeah all body types are welcome small big but that's the thing it's like you can't just say we just want big people we want all it's we need all body types represented just as what we see in our world so I think theater should reflect the world that we live in yeah I I really appreciate that that was such a great article I'm glad that you were featured in it and I was just like okay more who else? No, <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> really, really great. And I, I always struggled with it because I mm-hmm. um, I was told when I first got out of college, when I was in college, actually, they were like, you either need to lose 50 pounds or gain 50 pounds. That was what I was like, told. What? And they were okay. like, because you're too small to be the big girl and you're too big to be the lead. Get so out. that was what, <laughs> that's what exactly what I was told. So then I went the comic sassy girl way and stayed kind of curvy most of the time but I always felt like I was trapped I always felt like Mm. uh, am I big enough to play this part like even when I did motor mouse just now because I've been on this wellness journey where I've been losing weight and I've been working on my health and my mental health and Mm. I had lost some weight and I was like well I'm not big enough to play this now isn't that crazy to think oh my god you know what I mean or I'm not and I'm not small enough to play 
the the lead or in, in another show. So it's like it's wild. It's no, like, you should be considered for everything. Get out. Be considered <laughs> for everything, and you should just your talent should just speak for you, not your body. Yeah. Oh God. I love that quote. Um, so I, I want to talk about your U.S. tour because you have been killing it on the West End. You're like returning to, you know, the promised land here. Like, you know, you, you are a Broadway baby. And then you like left us for a little bit to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to share myself with, you know, the British people. And now I'm back. Um, you know, you've done like four records in, in like two years, <laughs> which is nuts. It's it's amazing. But again, like you said, you know, you're bringing Broadway to people's living rooms. Tell me what we can expect from this tour. Tell me about your Green Room 42 show that's coming up because I want everyone there. I wanted a packed house. Um, please, like, tell me all about uh, this this tour. Well, this tour came from my album uh, Tomorrow that was like the flagship mm-hmm. album that I released in December. And I wanted to create um, a charity single to help actors and performers and people backstage who are out of work from the pandemic. And so I released that song on my own and it kind of like shot up to the charts and became this viral sensation. Um, and I got people like Kat McPhee, Leslie Odom Jr., Anne Harada, Lettucey, uh, so many people who came together to um, create the music video and it just kind of blew up. And from there we created the Tomorrow album, which is a collection of songs Uh, to inspire you and give you hope. So we do a lot of songs from that on our tour, but then I also do the songs that you know me for, like, and I'm telling you I'm not going and I know where I've been. So you get the full Marisha Wallace experience. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry a lot, probably. (laughs) And you're also going to dance and feel alive again. Um, I'm bringing all that I've learned and all my stories. I have so many stories to tell as well of what I've been through um, overseas. And then I'm bringing that back here. And it's just a story of uh, inspiration and that you can make yourself a star. Like if you believe in yourself and if you have dreams, don't give up on those dreams and take those risks. And that's kind of what we explore in the, in the concert, but it's amazing. It feels, you're going to feel like you're at you know, the stadium at Madison Square Garden and, you know, but you're going to be in the small room, which is great. <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> so you're, you're not going to be singing from the roof, the national anthem, um, like you did at the Falcons game, because that was nuts and absolutely amazing. <laughs> but you're not going to be doing that. Not this time. Okay. Okay. I will see if there's a roof I can get onto at the green room. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, they're right outside. They've got like rooftop cinema. So you could technically just bring your performance outside sometime. <laughs> but uh, Marisha, I am so honored and, and blessed and, and thankful that you uh, took time to talk with us today. And um, everyone needs to go. If you can't be in New York City, you know, you can you can catch the tour elsewhere. But Sunday, November 7th at the green room at 8 p.m., Marisha Wallace is going to be giving you the Marisha Wallace experience. And of course, you can listen to all of her music and albums, but you you guys got to be following on the socials. You got to be following on the socials. It's, it brightens my day every time I see you come up on my feed. So thank you so much. Um, Marisha, is there anything else that you wanted to throw out to our listeners? Um, just follow me on all my things. And if you are in other cities, North Carolina, Minneapolis, or New York, you to come check it out. <laughs> Are you going back to your your home base? I know you're a southern girl like home me. For a yeah, home. it was my first concert I've ever done in my hometown, so I'm so oh. excited. What a beautiful homecoming, especially after a really tragic year. Like you yeah. deserve that. So congratulations, Marisha. Thank you so much again, and uh, we look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you. 
for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And don't forget about our Patreon. Matt told you at the top of the show, there are a hundred great things to listen to coming up with him and, and a bunch of other people. So make sure that you go to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Grace Aki. Matt, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Thank you guys so much. We will see you tomorrow.